Well, this morning again, we're, we're still going through Acts chapter 16. I keep thinking every time like I start a message, like last week I only went through like five verses in, in Acts 16, and I'm like, man, you know, I'm going to finish it this time, I'm going to finish it this time, and I'm, I think I only got to like eight chap, verse 18 or something like that. So we're going to be in Acts 16 for a minute here, so I hope you don't mind. But as a quick review... Again, we talked about Paul taking on Timothy, and we talked about how Paul went back to the churches that he had planted, and he wanted to strengthen the church. So again, it's just as important to bring people in to come to know Jesus as much as it is to then really dive in and be with those people and say, how are you doing? Let me help you. Let me give you correction. Let me give you prayer. Let me love on you. Let me invest my life in you. And so that's what we see Paul doing. And so we see Paul take on Timothy. And then we went through like three chapters where Paul is completely against circumcision. But then all of a sudden he meets Timothy and he circumcises Timothy. But we realize that it wasn't a contradiction. Paul was not doing that and saying, okay, Timothy, now that you're circumcised, you're actually saved. Because Timothy was half Jewish. And so in order to not have a stumbling block so he can preach to the Jews, Paul said, okay, maybe we should have you be circumcised so that you know, the, the Jews won't see you as problematic because we remember that there's the law of love. We're, not supposed, we're, we're supposed to be taking barriers away from people between people and Jesus, not putting them up. So we see that. We see also that motivation matters. We have to stop trying to do God's work for him. We also have to see that the Holy Spirit is, again, beyond sufficient to do what he's called us to do. And then lastly, we talked about even between generations, we need to invest in each other's lives. The younger needs to invest in the older. The older needs to invest in the younger. We're all supposed to intermingle and love each other. We can all still learn from each other. And so we need each other more and more because, again, church, I've never been the, the end times is here, but if it is, then the time is short. So it's better together than trying to separate each other. Again, we don't have generational sections here within the church. You're all supposed to intermingle and actually get along. And again, boomers are a little weird, but, you know, just be patient with them. They'll be, they'll be all right, just saying. <laughs> all right, but before we, we're going to start in Acts chapter 16, verse 6 through 7. But before we do that, we're going to go ahead and pray. Holy Father, again, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the blessings that you've rained upon us. We thank you, Father, for the ability to come together in your name because it's only by your blood that we're able to do that. And Father, as this uh, message goes out, let your will be done. Let your work be done in it. In Jesus' holy name, amen. So Acts 16, 6 through 7. Let's see if I can get this work. Yay! Now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. After they had come to Mysia, they tried to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So passing Mysia, they came down to Troas. So that is a whole lot of Greek words that they could not go into. So just to clarify... 
when it, when, when it talks about the Holy Spirit forbidding, forbidding them from going into Asia, this isn't like the Far East. It's, it's not the disciples trying to go into China or something like that. This is what's called Asia Minor. You know, remember the Romans are in charge here, and there's a province. They're wanting, the disciples are trying to go further east through Turkey. And so the Holy Spirit is actually stopping them from going further east. So they tried twice. They went, went one route, and the Holy Spirit said no. They went another route, and the Holy Spirit said no. And again, I think I've said this before, but I find this passage really, really interesting because Danielle, when she was in college, she took a particular history class, and it actually, they talked about this because they talked about the spread of all the different religions, Muslims, Buddhists, Hindus, Christians, and they got to the part about Christianity, and they said that while they were there, you know, they had this map, and it showed Christianity during the first century, and it said it kept going this way and this way and this way. And they said, suddenly and for no reason, it stops right exactly where they say. And then all of a sudden, Christianity starts spreading further west. And, of course, it was a, a secular type of uh, class. And so they just called it, well, this is just a weird phenomena. We don't really know why they stopped. We don't really understand it. But again, we've had scripture for over 2,000 years explaining exactly why. The Holy Spirit just said, no. You're not supposed to go that way. But this begs the question, why on earth wouldn't the Holy Spirit allow them to go into Asia? I mean, isn't spreading the gospel a good thing? Shouldn't we just be spreading the gospel? They could have just kept going and all these different things. I mean, why wouldn't the Holy Spirit allow them to do that? I mean, was it that God just doesn't like that part of the region? They, you know, he doesn't love those people of Asia Minor, or what the heck is going on? Well, actually, Christianity actually spreads to there. And as a matter of fact, this isn't in Scripture, but Christian tradition says that Thomas, the Apostle Thomas, actually spreads Christianity further east into Iran and into India. And as a matter of fact... This is backed up by the fact that certain regions in India, if you are a Christian, your surname is Thomas. So 2,000 years later, still, if you're an Indian Christian, typically your surname is Thomas because Thomas the Apostle went through the Far East and spread the gospel. Now, the point was, though their intentions were good, Paul and Timothy were not just the ones who were supposed to go. They were not the ones. It was supposed to be Thomas. So the Holy Spirit, relaying the will of God, had other plans for them. God called Thomas further east, and he called Paul further west. And eventually we're going to see he gets so far west that he goes to Rome itself and preaches the gospel to the emperor, which will cost him his life. And so again, this is the whole point of trusting in Jesus, trusting in the Holy Spirit. Romans eleven thirty three. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. You see, here's the wonderful thing, is God wants us to know him. 
God wants us to have this relationship with him. But again, just like the scripture says, he's a lamp to our feet, not a light out. Because God knows exactly what's going to happen. There's all kinds of things that sometimes God will tell us to do that sometimes we just don't understand. That's why we have to learn to trust in his ways. We only see a little tiny little bit. We are bound by the space and time that we were created in. But see, God knows all. He sees all. He understands all because, again, he is not bound by the time and space that he created. And we have to remember that closed doors are as much of an answer as open ones. Even with something that is good to do, like preaching the gospel. If the Lord says no, there's a good reason behind it. And that's why it's so important for us to exercise discernment within the Holy Spirit. And that actually brings me to my next point with these particular verses. What made Paul so special that he knew the Holy Spirit told him no? Why was Paul so special? Was he a little bit more spiritual than the rest of us? Was he a little bit more closer to God than the rest of us? The problem is, is we have to realize that the same Holy Spirit that was in Paul is in us. When it comes to the power of the Holy Spirit, there is no hierarchy. You know, just because Danielle and I are senior pastors doesn't mean we have a, a closer elevation to God because of just, just because. Danielle and I are exercising the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given us, and he's given you gifts that you are supposed to exercise. Whatever that looks like, whatever that means, whatever, wherever it is that you particularly go. But some of us can, can kind of look around and say, so why can someone like Paul have this, but I can't? And I don't know if this is working or not. Let's see if I can get the Galatians 5.25. Hmm. Galatians 5.25, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. See, the key is to walk in the Spirit daily. Now, this does not have to look like some weird, mystical thing. You know, you know you, it's not about going through Smith and like just singing in tongues. If that's what God calls you to do, I'm, I'm not sure that's what's going to happen. But it's listening. It's focusing your mind on the Holy Spirit. It's focusing your mind on Christ. Wherever it is that you go, in your mundane, normal life, no matter what it is that you're doing. Because walking in the Spirit isn't just this church time stuff. It has to be specifically intentional. You have to make up your mind to do it. This is part of what you have to do. Romans 8.5 For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. So again, I'm going to pick on myself for here in a minute. Do you think me doing 
anything that God has called me to do, you think I can do this just on my own? I mean, this would fall apart real fast if it was up to me. Without setting my mind, and it takes effort, without setting my mind on things of the Spirit and walking in the Spirit, I could not do any of this. Without the Holy Spirit, I'm going to be real honest with you, if it was just me, if I had no focus on God or the Holy Spirit, things would not be pretty real fast. A good majority of the time, as you all know, I would much rather be watching Star Wars, reading comic books, and playing video games. That is left to my own fleshly devices. That's all typically I want to do. And again, left to myself, I would just have my little nest of Mountain Dew cans and pizza boxes right in front of my TV, playing whatever game I wanted to do. Again, left to myself, I would just fulfill the things of the flesh that I want to do. I would work just hard enough to get some money, to get some more video games so I could go home and order another pizza and keep going. But of course, the flesh is obviously contrary to things of the spirit, and, and, and the flesh ultimately leads to death. Even if it's not some whatever big sin, whatever that means it is. Look at Galatians 5.17. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. Now again, you know, there's, there's, I'm not going to come up here and say that there's particularly anything wrong with video games or comic books. I would be a hypocrite if I did. We can enjoy those things. I can still enjoy those things as a pastor, but the point is, is I can't have my mind set on only those things and then wonder why God doesn't speak to me. If that's all I'm filling my mind with. I mean, that's what a lot of us tend to do. We, we go through our day, most of the day, probably not thinking about God, His Word, His will, what He wants, where He wants us to go, what His plans are, and then he, we turn around and go, well, I guess God just doesn't talk to people like this anymore. But the thing is, is even if Paul had acted like that, I guarantee he wouldn't have had the vision like he did in Acts 16, 8 through 10. So passing by in Myasia, they came to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. You know, again, there are times, like everybody else, I have to actively and consciously say no to the things of the flesh. Say no to things that I would rather do and refocus my mind on Christ. As a matter of fact, you know, a lot of times I'll, I'll bring my stuff home and I'll work on my message at home and I'll be watching some Star Wars and I will make sure to set an alarm because I know I can get caught up in that real fast. As soon as that alarm goes off, I'm like, ugh. Okay, and then I come over here and I pray. But again, that's what Paul is saying. You beat your flesh into submission. 
You are not in charge. Jesus is. And so I have to take that time. It's an active thing. It's not always easy. But as time goes on, you can make it a habit. We have to consciously lean towards the Holy Spirit. That is the secret to seeing signs and wonders that the early church saw is when Christians are walking in the Spirit. That's what the apostles did, the early church did, all the other saints that came before us. Everybody focused completely on... That's what a lot of times repentance within the church is. That's what the revival is. is We put our focus away from Jesus, and now Jesus is putting our focus right back on him. And again, because Paul and the others did things like this, through the Spirit's leading, an entire continent, the entire continent of Europe that was predominantly paganistic in just a few short centuries become predominantly Christian. And those things can happen again if we decide to forego the status quo and just go through life and just not have anything to do with God throughout the week. We have to decide to say to the Holy Spirit, whatever it is you want, I will do. Wherever it is you lead me, I will go. We have to realize that. What a powerful force we would be if we were like Paul and immediately answered the call to go to some place like Macedonia. And then we continue on in Acts 16, 11 through 12. Therefore, sailing from Troas, we ran a straight course to Samothrace and the next day came to Neapolis and from there to Philippi, which is the foremost city of the part of Macedonia, a colony. And we were staying in that city for some days. So real quickly before we move on, I want to point out that this this starts in verse 10. And if you haven't noticed it, we start seeing we statements. We went here. We did this. We went there. This is a good reminder that Luke, that's a good name, by the way, Luke, is the author of Acts. And now we see Luke actually step in and be a part of the story that he's writing. He decides, Luke decides to join Paul and Timothy to Macedonia. And now, not only is he writing what other people are telling him, he's writing his firsthand experiences of what exactly happened. And again, I just want to remind everybody, because we kind of separate it, that Luke wasn't just someone who was told about this stuff years later, and then he kind of wrote it down. He participated in this. We forget sometimes how intertwined. We forget like people like Paul and Luke were contemporaries and companions at times. I mean, Paul even talks about this trip in 2 Corinthians 2, 12 through 13. Furthermore, I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, and a door was opened to me by the Lord. I had no rest in my spirit because I did not find Titus, my brother, but taking my leave of them, I departed to Macedonia. He even mentions Luke as one of his companions at the end of his letter in Philemon 1, 23 through 24. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ, Jesus' greetings greets you, as do Paul, another Greek name I'm not going to even try to pronounce because I forgot how to pronounce that, Damas and Luke, my fellow laborers. You see, again, this is the beauty of the church. We see the Jewish Paul and the Gentile Luke 
come together and preach the gospel. And now Paul is calling Luke a fellow laborer. There is no distinction. Commentary even goes so far that I read, says this, Now we see another reason why they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. We see another reason why the Spirit did not permit them to go to Bithynia. God wanted Paul and his team to go to Troas and pick up a doctor named Luke. Because God said no to Paul these two times, we have a gospel and a book of Acts written by Dr. Luke. And again, it seems like God really knows what he's doing because we continue on in Acts 16, 13 through 15. And on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city to the riverside where prayer was customarily made. And we sat down and spoke to the women who, who met there. Now, a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira, who worshipped God. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. And when she and her household were baptized, she begged us, saying, If you have judged me to be, a, to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. So she persuaded us. So again, as the disciples, as Paul and Timothy and Luke are going further, further into Macedonia, we start seeing fewer and fewer Jewish people. The fact that these women met at a river for prayer time meant that there simply wasn't enough Jews within that area to have a, have a, to have a synagogue. But as was their custom, as they went into the new city, they met with those who gathered for Sabbath, which at the time happened to be these women by the river. And it seems they didn't hesitate to preach the gospel to them. Again, preach to whoever God is calling you to preach. You notice how Paul and Timothy and Luke didn't say, okay, before we begin... Since you're just, just a bunch of women, we've got to get your husbands here. Go get your husbands, and then I'll preach the gospel to you guys. They preached to whoever, whenever, whatever. They went, and they did this, and met a woman named Lydia. And we get a hint of what kind of woman this was. This was a very prominent businesswoman. She was a seller of purple. That meant she got some money. And she knew what she was doing. Again, it doesn't say Lydia, the wife of the husband who owns the company that produces the purple dye. It says she did. And we see that this woman already has faith in the one true God. And then we see God opening up her heart and she immediately believes everything that Paul has to say. And then she goes to her entire household and tells them everything Paul was teaching. And because of that, they're all baptized, and then they become saved. And I say all this to say this particular thing. Tell me again how Paul was against women preaching and teaching. I mean, this debate has been going on for far too long. People keep reading things. They take things out of context. I mean, I just read a thing. Rick Warren just got kicked out of the Southern Baptist denomination because he had the audacity to say that he believes in women pastors. And they kicked him out. 
you know, they'll say, but Paul said, Paul said. But again, Paul was right there with Lydia. And yet at no point did he say, okay, again, you know, you're, you're just a woman, so I'll go to your household, and I'll preach to them, and then they'll be saved. Lydia, this woman, goes to her household and teaches and preaches, and her entire household becomes saved. Because the only thing that matters for someone to teach or preach is, again, the content of their character, the godly calling on their life to do so, not the contents of their pants. It doesn't matter. Galatians 3.28, there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's slave nor free, there's male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. As a matter of fact, I'm reading Amy Simple McPherson's, our founder's book, This Is That. And she talks about how God called her into this ministry. And she said, you know, she, she went on this um, missions trip with her first husband, and they went to China, and unfortunately, Robert Simple passed away, and so she had to come back to the United States and Canada. And then while here, she remarried, and she decided, she goes, okay, you know, I'm going to try to be a proper woman. I'm going to try to be a proper wife, and I'm going to stay home, and I'm going to take care of the kids, and I'm going to take care of my husband, and I'm going to do all these different things. And she talks about how convicted she was during that time. She felt miserable all the time because she was trying to fit into the socially acceptable mold of what a woman should be, whatever that particularly means. Because she knew that she should be out preaching the gospel. That's what she was called to do. As a matter of fact, she talks about when she was born, her mother dedicated her to the service of God. She prayed over Amy and said, do with her what you will. Send her out. I give her to you. And then, actually, she was, you know, after some failed surgery, she was literally on her deathbed. She was just on the verge to die. And she said that God spoke to her and said, okay, now will you go and preach? Now will you go and spread the gospel? And as soon as she said yes, she started getting better. And then immediately grabbed up her kids and headed out started preaching the gospel. And I love this particular quote that I, I read in her book, and it says this, Oh, don't ever tell me that a woman cannot be called to preach the gospel. If any man ever went through 100th part of the hell on earth that I lived in, those months went out of God's will and work, they would never say that again. We really need to stop telling God who he can use and how he can use them. Just obey his word and let it happen. Romans 12, 1 through 2, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. 
again, if Amy had gone down the road of just saying, nope, I have to ignore God's call because I'm the wrong gender, apparently, then the Foursquare Church wouldn't have existed. Then people would not have been saved by the power of the Holy Spirit working through Amy Simple. We have to remember that God uses who he decides to use. It's not about what we think. It's not about our socially, social traditions. And again, it's not even going so far as to say, now we're going to completely ignore Scripture and we're going to go the complete opposite way just to be inclusive and, and be all this stuff. But when Scripture says... You know, we, we've had multiple examples of women being called into the ministry within the scriptures. Paul is even writing to a leader of the church who is a woman, and he's talking to her and respecting her as the leader that she is. And yet we'll see this one part where it says, I do not allow women to preach to men. And we take that out of context. And realize that what he's saying is, I don't, because of this particular context, in this particular region, at this particular time. We have to stop putting people in boxes, because if we do that, we restrict God, and good luck with that. If we restrict people from doing the call that God has placed in their lives, we are telling God, no, we know better than you and you're not working the way we think you should work. And that is a dangerous game we cannot begin. We also, in conclusion, we got to remember that if, even if something is good to do, like preaching the gospel to someone, if God says no, then there's a good reason for it, and we should obey him. Again, even Jesus says this. He gives an analogy. Don't give pearls to, to swine. Don't give dogs what is sacred because if you do, they're going to trample on them and they're going to trample on you. See, again, that's the reliance of the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus said, hey, if they reject you, shake the dust off your feet and walk away. Because only the Holy Spirit, you're just the mouthpiece. Believe in Jesus and be saved. And then the Holy Spirit goes out and works on the people whom needs to be worked on. So if he says, no, don't go that way, then just don't do it. And remember, we have to always walk in the Spirit, meditate on him and his word every day. And again, it doesn't, you don't make it super spiritual. Don't make this lengthy prayer. Don't think that you have to pray. You know, if you feel the need to get up early in the morning and pray for a half an hour, and that's how you start your day, then do it. I don't have the brain power for that. My prayer in the morning is, God, help me. Just help me make it to the coffee. That's all I need right now. And then I continue. And then throughout the day, it's usually like little prayers, five-second prayers, things like that, something that God pops into my heart. And again, while I'm even witnessing to my coworkers, it's not a full, okay, I have to follow this script, and I have to say these things. Sometimes it's little tidbits. Sometimes it's little, like I had a coworker say, well, Jesus doesn't love me. I'm like, yeah, he does. And then that's all I said. That's all I was prompted to say. Of course he likes you. Of course he loves you. Yeah. 
and then move on. I, it, that's what it takes. Again, for me, God makes it simple for me because I'm pretty stupid. <laughs> like, just listen to me. Like, even when I'm watching Star Wars, he's like, pay attention to that. That's like this in this scripture. And I'm like, okay, I got it now. <laughs> but again, focus on him. I mean, my goodness, he, is, he created you. And he is the king of the entire universe. And he saved us. I think he's worthy of some time in your mind. We need to keep focused on him because then we get prompted to do things, say things. We see signs and miracles that we probably wouldn't have seen otherwise because we're just so busy doing whatever it is that we want to do. So again, final scripture as the worship team comes up here. Psalm 143, 5 through 6. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all your works. I muse on the work of your hands. I spread out my hands to you. My soul longs for you like a thirsty land. The trick to knowing God is to want to know God. If you have the Holy Spirit in you, he will lead you to want to know him more. And you have to realize that he is the source of anything that you do. He's the source of anything that I do. If I say anything good up here, it ain't because I'm so smart and I came up with it. Again, I'm pretty dumb. I'll just probably start talking about Luke Skywalker and the Force if, I, if it was up to me. But it's God in us to do these things, and all we have to do is say, yes, I got it. I'm going to go do it now. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, help us to hear you. Because, Holy Spirit, you lead us to know more of Jesus. You point to him. You help us to remember everything that he has commanded us to do. So help us to be led by you. Help us, God the Holy Spirit, to obey you to do the things that you've called us to do, to say the things you've called us to say. Help us to be holy because you have set us apart as a holy nation, as a royal priesthood. So help us to walk in that in our daily lives, even if it's the most mundane, mind-grueling day we've ever had, to help us to meditate on you. Help us to meditate on your word. Help us to be strong in your word. Because it says that if I hide your words in my heart, I might not sin against you. So bless everybody here. Lead us in your ways. And help us to do the work that you've called us to do. Because it's only by your power. In Jesus' name, amen.